to a special Houston edition of the Walk-Ins Welcome podcast. I'm Michael Russell. I'm Gary the Foodie. Hi. And we're sitting here above my garage uh, drinking bourbon and soda and decompressing and sort of just uh, chatting about our recent trip to Houston. You decompressed. I was off to Vegas after after Houston. I should have expected. Um, So... We uh, sort of found an opportunity to both be free at the same time. Gary was already going to Houston, and I asked if I could come along. This is our first traveling food adventure together. I thought it went pretty well. I'm glad. Did you have fun? I did. I had a lot of fun. That's kind of my life now. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I couldn't do it as much as you. I couldn't do it 200 days a year. It's hard. I mean, it's first is. world problems, right? Yeah. Def- the definition of. <laughs> Borderline one percenter problems, but man, that weather—that Friday—it was pretty. My enjoyment of a trip is kind of based on the weather too, and in general, it was dry except for that one effing night. It rained like crazy, but I mean, I feel like I slept through ninety percent of it because it really started in the evening. Right, we got caught in it a little bit on our way to a restaurant called Nancy's Hustle, and then. You know, I remember waking up at the middle of the night and it was just like rain pounding on the window, but I wasn't outside. And then right. it was pretty good by the morning when we had to leave. It was dry. Yeah. Um, so we went to 15 restaurants, more or less, uh, in three days. And today we're going to pick our three favorite dishes from the trip, as well as name our top five restaurants. Um let me ask you a couple questions before we start. Is that like roughly the sort of volume that you would hit or was that more than usual when you uh, go out, when you travel? It, it, it depends. Like, for example, Paris, because of the times the restaurants open and close, I, I'm only allowed like one lunch and one dinner a day. But in general, I try to do, I guess, t- I don't know, two lunches and two dinners, but it kind of depends. I can't do four tasty menus in one day. I mean, I've tried. But <laughs> are you sure? <laughs> but I, I, I guess if I were going lighter, it'd be like in a perfect world, it'd be like one lunch and two dinners a night. But it's you know like some like that first night, I drank a lot and I just did not feel good. Like I, I, I didn't sleep well and I just didn't feel good. Well, the uh, tiki bowls for two were half off at UB <laughs> Preserve, so it's not like we're not going to order one of those. I know we had to try it. That that was the problem. Like I land. All right, so I landed on. Wednesday from SFO, my flight was delayed. Gary had already been to one restaurant, uh, Ninfa's, the original Ninfa's, which is a sort of classic old Houston Tex-Mex spot. Would that be accurate? Yes. Uh-huh. All right. And uh, so I met him at Sochi, which is the sort of a Oaxacan restaurant from a chef there named Hugo Ortega. And like pretty much instantly, I ordered a margarita. And they do this cool thing there. I don't want to spoil our sort of recaps later but they do this fun thing where if you order two margaritas at your table then two waiters come out and they both shake them right next to you at the same time <laughs> if you have four people they do it with four it's super fun um they're good margaritas did you i enjoyed mine it was an awesome awesome yeah. margarita houston has great margaritas like pretty much across the board they know their margaritas um we uh then 
kind of like when we went to a restaurant called Yubi Preserve where like I said the the giant tiki bowls were half off and then we realized we were right across the street from Anvil which is like one of the best cocktail bars in Texas in all of Texas well in all the, to be honest in the country in it was the country. a James Beard finalist for outstanding bar program last year and we had a couple drinks there which were excellent great customer service at Anvil that was a wonderful experience uh, so you know that was the night when we really uh, maybe weren't feeling so great the next morning anyway how would you rank Houston sort of as a dining city overall well, in America, having been to many, we, many cities in the past year to eat? I mean, we talked about this, and you kind of convinced me, <laughs> and made, you, made a very, you made very good points regarding, regarding Portland versus Houston. Okay. That, that, that Portland, from what we could gather based on the limited number of restaurants that we ate at, that, that, that Portland is a better uh, restaurant city. Our our top restaurants, and for me, it's Castagna, Le Pigeon, Long Bon, um, Coquine, and you know the the uh, and Notre Girl. Our our top restaurants are better than their top restaurants. Uh, one question I don't I can't answer is what's the depth? Like, is their fortieth, fiftieth, sixtieth best restaurant better than our fortieth, fiftieth, and sixtieth best restaurant? I kind of, you know, I kind of think it is. I don't know how diverse their 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 culinary culinary options, the restaurant options, really are. So, and you know, if you want great, you know, Chinese food or French food, you know, how many options are there? But the, how many options are there for great French food or Chinese food in Portland? You're exactly right. Exactly right. But we have decent. I think we have okay. We've gotten better Chinese. I mean, better options recently over the last couple of years regarding Chinese food. And yeah, French is you know. It's tough. It's like kind of New York or bust yeah. in America. Well, San Francisco. Yeah. Um, that's really interesting that I made those great points. Um. <laughs> What's the top? Houston is the top 10 culinary city in America. It's got to be. Well, I want to say there was there was more there than maybe I thought there would be in terms of interesting places to eat. And like the major caveats, which I kind of want to get out of the way right off the bat, is that like for me, the big caveat of a place that we didn't go to is the sort of Vietnamese Cajun restaurant that I think is called Crawfish and Noodles. And there's a couple of reasons we didn't do that. I mean, the biggest one um, is that crawfish just wasn't in season. And we actually had an Uber driver tell us that some of the restaurants are getting crawfish from Oregon, which I don't know if that's true or not. But that sort of ruled it out for me like 100%. It was like, well, I'm not going to go to a restaurant and order Oregon crawfish especially since Portland does have two or three Cajun Vietnamese restaurants. We have my brother's crawfish on 82nd Avenue. We have, uh, on Lou's restaurant, which is sort of got some Vietnamese influences called, um, Tapalaya. And then there's a two restaurant chain called, um, the boiling crab. Is that what it's called? Yeah. Boiling crab. Yeah. So that's boiling on. Pot. Oh yeah. Whatever it is. It's, it's one's on boiling 82nd. pot and one's in the old row location. I should know the name of that. Division. I just recommended it to someone yesterday, but you know, I do feel like given that Houston is sort of the, you know, has one of the biggest Vietnamese communities outside of Vietnam, um, even though Portland's Vietnamese food scene is surprisingly great, I do kind of wish I'd investigated that a little bit, whether it was going to Crawfish and Noodle or maybe going to a pho place like um, Pho Bin by Night, which is a place that I think lets you add bone marrow to your pho, uh, which sounds pretty exciting nobody in portland does that so uh 
What what are your caveats? Like, are do you feel like you regret that you didn't go to one or two places? I, I did want to go to Crawfish and Noodles. I, I I guess the the place I regret not going to most is Tejas Chocolate and Barbecue. Yeah, which is me too. It's one. I think I believe Daniel Vaughn from um, Texas Monthly has it in his top ten. Michael, is that right? I think it's the only Houston six or, like place it, in his top yeah. ten. And yeah. it's, in, it's like number six or number seven. Yeah, but we had to choose because it, it's so far out there. We had to choose between Killen's um, Barbecue or Tejas. We didn't have to choose, but we kind of end up because it's so far out there. It's like a forty-minute drive in either direction for both. So you had to pick one or the other. Otherwise, we're literally living in an Uber for a day and spending 40, 50 bucks on fares. Right. And that's a good kind of segue to kind of talk about how we figured out where to eat. Now, like, first of all, Gary kind of put the whole list together. And I I pushed back on a couple things. I had noticed one of the restaurants had unfortunately closed, which was like a soul food place. Do you remember the name of that? No. Okay. Um, I pushed back on a couple of places and asked if we could go to a barbecue place. And as we were sort of progressing through the list, we realized that we were going to actually hit the top 10 on the Houston Chronicles 100 best restaurants list. So that's a list produced by Allison Cook. She's the longtime Texas restaurant writer. It's a really, really good resource for people visiting Houston. She ranks the top 30 restaurants in Houston and then does 70 other unranked restaurants. And I think she's got a really good eye because... You know, you can tell even comparing to 2017, 2016, and 2015 that there's been a lot of change. Um, a restaurant that was number one in 2015 was barely in the rank list while we were there, and I think there's a good reason why, which we'll get to later. Um, but if you are traveling to Houston, that's a good list. So we kind of realized, all right, well, we're going to hit the entire top 10 here if we keep going this itinerary. And one of the places in our top 10 is Killen's Barbecue. And that is a restaurant that, as Gary said, it's about 40 minutes outside of town via Uber. In In Pearland, Texas. In Pearland. We didn't see any pears, though, did we? Nope. Um, I saw a few pear-shaped people, (laughs) (laughs) including myself. (laughs) But uh, we, uh, yeah, we, we went out there, and I think we came to realize that it seems like the reason it's on Allison's list is because they do this dinner service at night, this black linen tablecloths, and they, there's these Tex-Mex influences. They do, like, great nachos and et cetera. We actually passed by a restaurant called Killen's Tex-Mex, which seemed to be opening soon and might be taking some of those dishes, you know, away from Killen's Barbecue or sharing them or whatever. And I did feel like the barbecue there, while very, very, very good, was not like elite elite top 10 texas level and i think that actually matt's barbecue here in portland which is a really great food cart is at least equal to if not better than the barbecue that we had that day which is not really a knock on killings because they serve like thousands of people every week and matt is a food cart and he serves maybe i don't know a couple hundred 250 i'm not sure but um love that beef rib though great beef rib that's their signature thing that beef rib was amazing so I'm with you. I wish we'd. I, I think that if you're just like going to Houston, I just want to eat one barbecue place. Even though we didn't go there, I have a lot of faith that the Texas Monthly list, that Tejas Chocolate and Barbecue, probably would be the place you would want to go. Yeah, and part of it is we did have a reservation at Killens for the last night, but I didn't want to deal with that rain because it's, it's just. A, I we. I mean, yeah. So I, I actually made the change. So we went to Killens during the day when it's like a cafeteria barbecue yeah. setup. 
Yeah, instead of going at night when we had the reservation. And that makes sense. Like, I think if you live in Houston, the Killen's Barbecue would be a top 10 restaurant with all those extras, that night service. You know, it's a more complete restaurant. Um, but if you're traveling there and all you want to, if all you're focused on is barbecue, I'm guessing, you know, sight unseen that Tejas probably is the one just because it did rank in the top 10 on Texas Monthly's list. And I've heard good things about Gatlin's too, which we didn't obviously get to, but also great things about Gatlin's. Um, so what else do we need to talk about before we dive into our top five? Let's dive into our top five. All right, let's go first. Uh, why don't you do your number five? Okay, I'm going to cheat a little bit and then I have a tie. <laughs> I, had to get, I, had, I really thought about it. And <clears throat> my two, uh, number five is um, Theodore Rex from Justin Yu. Um, and tied with that is Original Nymphas on Navigation, which I went to and, and Michael didn't. Original Nymphas on Navigation, I had, a, I had the best pozole I've ever had. It was a green pozole and it, was, it had pit charters and brisket and it was just rich and amazing and it came with a crunchy tostada, house-made tostada on the side. Original Nymphas is great because it really is old school. It's been around for 40 years and um, it's changed ownership, but they've kept everything the same from what I was told. Um, really, if, you, if, you, if you're headed to Houston and want some like old-style Tex-Mex Go to Original Nymphas on Navigation. Fantastic. Just, you know what? I, maybe people might be surprised that Theater Rex is as low as it is on my list, but it's, you know, I admire Justin Yu's prodigiously, he's a prodigiously talented chef, but his food is not like how I want to eat in general, but I, I admire many of those dishes. And my favorite dish is probably one of the desserts, the one with the, um, I think it's oregano oil and frozen yogurt. I love that dish. Yeah. So refreshing. Michael, what's your fifth? My number five, uh, and I'm not even sure this is going to be on your top five, but my number five is Nancy's Hustle. So uh, Nancy's Hustle is sort of the hotshot newcomer um, in Houston. It was number three on Esquire's best new restaurant list, um, Jeff Gordinier's list. it's sort of new American, global, very much in keeping with restaurants like Theodore Rex in that sort of vein. But there's a great energy there. There's a lot of young people. They seem clearly invested in it. The wine list was really fun. And they actually had probably the beer list that was the most interesting to me on that trip. As a beer fan, I didn't find a ton to uh, dig my teeth into in Houston. It was. Um, uh, it seems like it's kind of – they're really focused on their local breweries and – I didn't find a lot to love in that crop. Um, the uh, food we had was really good. I think like the standout dish is called Nancy cakes, which are yeah. it's kind of like a caviar and blini variation with these uh, they're corn based sort of hoe cakes. They're probably about an inch thick, super puffy, but then given a nice little brown crispness on the edges. And then they come with this cultured butter and then this trout roe. Uh, which maybe we can talk about in the future because we saw the same trout row everywhere, uh, which happens to come from the Northwest. And uh, I don't think Houston's getting the best Northwest <laughs> trout row because uh, it just didn't have a ton of flavor. But uh, that was a really, really fun dish regardless. And, you know, I just love caviar and blini. And this was like a fun American update. There's great beer. It was fun. It was raining outside. I did kind of have to twist your arm a little bit to get there. Yes. I, I didn't want to go because of the rain. I just hate rain. I like I get enough of it in Portland. But I'm glad you convinced me to go to Nancy's Hustles. I re- Nancy's Hustle. I really enjoyed it. 
Uh, it did. I don't know if I'm ruining the surprise, but it did not make my top five. Aha, guess that. At number four is Himalaya. Himalaya is kind of like a hole-in-the-wall restaurant in a strip mall. And the chef is Kaiser Lashkari. And we ordered some steak tikka that was just absolutely effing amazing. God, I love that steak tikka. Then we had like a lunch special with like five different things on the plate. One was a shepherd's pie. There's a lamb dish. There was chicken biryani. It was just really delicious, all those five things. And it was so cheap. It was so cheap. And um, it was a combination of like Pakistani and Indian, right? Yeah, North Indian. Uh, there were two gentlemen sitting behind me who were sort of chatting with each other, and they were both Pakistani. So I think, I think the chef is Pakistani. I think he just – there's a lot of overlap in that. My guess is there's just a lot of overlap in that Kashmiri region. Obviously, we, didn't, we did not talk to the chef or see the chef. But that's my read on it. So that, that was a really, really fun restaurant. That's another one that's a little bit outside of town. It's in a sort of complex that has other Indian restaurants and Indian markets. And like I think our Uber actually dropped us off like 10 feet away outside another Indian restaurant uh, or outside an Indian restaurant, I should say. And the the menu is awesome. It's just like over 100 things it felt like and you know, almost like an impossible number of dishes. And we kind of zeroed in that some of them had a little thumbs up emoji that said Bourdain <laughs> next to them. And I guess I don't think I've watched the Houston episode yet, but I think Bourdain was in Houston and he must have eaten those dishes right. when he was there. So yeah, that steak Tico was awesome. And we had a little sort of tali lunch platter kind of thing. I also had the garlic naan there, which was awesome. It was like totally covered with like hundreds of, or like dozens of tiny pieces of garlic. Um, it was delicious. Uh, I should mention right now, a lot of this stuff is on our Instagram feed. So if you want to go check out TDM Russell or Gary the Foodie, Gary the Foodie, not Gary is a glutton. Oh, that's just your name, right? Yes, yeah, it's just my name. So yeah, at Gary the Foodie or at TDM Russell, you'll see a lot of Houston picks there. Right What's now. your number four? Good question. So my number four is Hugo's. Uh, Hugo's is the first restaurant. Uh, that I know of from Chef Hugo Ortega. Uh, he is sort of like the, I want to say he's like the kind of current godfather of Houston dining, it feels like. He's been around for a while. He's got at least three or four restaurants in Houston. I heard from Allison Cook when we met for a drink that he's opening potentially opening a restaurant in Honolulu. Uh, but yet, despite that, his flagship restaurant and oldest restaurant was still really really good um we had uh some very nice fish tacos we had some suckling pig and we had this cool chili relleno which was topped with like a uh like a i think was it like a sunflower seed mole almost like a gray mole the 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 pepper had like some texture to it the chili pepper had some texture to it that I'm not used to. Usually they're kind of fried down to total softness. And there was a really interesting, like sort of higher personality cheese inside uh, with rice and beans. I liked everything there. The vibe was really good. People were dressed up. It was a mixed clientele, Mexican, you know, white. And and you noticed that Hugo Ortega was actually there. And Hugo was sitting just one table behind Gary. And it seemed like he was there just like, analyzing some kind of product it looked like it said like carnitas like maybe a jerky or something so he wasn't exactly expediting but he was in the house which is pretty cool for a guy with that kind of empire and our waitress told us that um 
He's always in one of his restaurants, essentially. And and my number three restaurant is Hugo's. Oh, and good transition. <laughs> Michael talked about Hugo's, and um, yeah, we had one other dish I forgot. Uh, we had a pupo dish, an octopus oh, dish. Dip. With a, octopus. was like a it was like a blue corn, was it a blue corn tortilla? Yeah, yeah, I I love that dish. The tortillas at Hugo's are part of why they both they rank in my top five. They are, you know, obviously made from good corn. They're sort of supple, thin, but they didn't break when you pick them up. And they do a variety of them because they we had different with our appetizers. Like all of his restaurants seem to do a two for 24 appetizer thing. And we saw a variety of different tortillas during our time there. Yeah. Um, Michael gave me a, a, a lesson on tortillas, <laughs> which, I, which I appreciated. Thank yeah. you, Michael. My, to let the, me go to the best of my ability. You let me go to number, number two. two? Okay. My number two is Pondicherry from Anita Justin. I believe it's pronounced Justin Hani, and um, I, I absolutely loved Pondicherry. Um, we ordered uh, samosa, some of the best samosas I've ever had. We ordered masala fried chicken that came with desi fries, desi fries, and sautéed greens. Um, we also ordered simple dosa. Which was also fantastic, and it's uh, more. I, I thought it'd be more of a hole in the wall setting, and but we 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 drove hardly. Yeah, yeah, well, it was like it was like a, a little. It was really nice like, upscale, upscale. I would say, yeah, I mean, uh, it's a really nice kind of uh, condo mall situation. Um, but it's counter service, which is also interesting. At least at at breakfast, we were there for like that right. breakfast lunch transition. So I'm not sure if they're counter service at night or not. Then we went upstairs to Pond- Pondicherry Bake Lab. And Michael ordered um, a chocolate chili cookie, that was that was absolutely scrumptious. It was very very good. And while we were there, we heard a couple of people um, telling us that we had to try the chai pie, uh, which is looks like uh, looks kind of like a, a chess pie or a crack pie or almost like a pumpkin pie. Um, I didn't really find out what was in it, but we did not try it. If you're in Houston, after your meal at Pondicherry, go upstairs. Order a cookie or two. There's also a mint and chocolate cookie that looked really, really good. And order a slice of chai pie and then tell us how it is because it looked amazing. And drum roll, my number, where are we? My two. number three? You're no, you're I'm still on three. Oh, you're three. My number three restaurant is Pondicherry. Oh. <laughs> uh, so I really, really like this restaurant. It's in um, Houston Chronicles top ten. Um I think at number seven, but yeah, I, I think, would push uh, it into yeah. the top five if if, yeah. I, if Allison, if you're listening out there, um, just because you know it feels like a special place. Like um, they're doing, it's a lot of his Indian street food and a lot of it is fusion, but um, they're doing the the food is really really bright and colorful in an incredibly appealing way, and. Um, I don't know what else to say about it other than I kind of wish it were in Portland. That's what I was thinking, too. Um, what's your number two? So jumping to my number two, and I feel like this is going to be your number one because we did talk about it a little bit in Houston, but Sochi. So Sochi, which is X-O-C-H-I, is another restaurant from Hugo Ortega. And we only went to two. There's at least three, maybe four in Houston. So I'm thinking if I went to all four, they might all be in my top five. <laughs> but... Uh, 
Sochi is his. Uh, I'm not going to step on your number one too much if that's what it is, but it is. Well, we can talk about it. Okay, that, okay. that is, that is, that is my number one. Sochi is my number one. I didn't. I didn't think we talked about this too much, but I guess we did because uh, you know we, we were going to do this list without really talking to each other. But yeah, yeah. I mean, it was just like yeah. I don't think you said to me it's my favorite restaurant, but we we definitely traded notes about each meal. Yeah, so, yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I love Sochi. Yeah. Uh, just I'll just lay it out really briefly. It's another Ortega restaurant. Um, it's um, Oaxacan. So that's the, it's, it's similar in format and menu format to Hugo's, except for a couple of things. The focus is more narrowly on Oaxacan cuisine, and it's in a relatively new, massive hotel. It's actually a Marriott, for if that matters, in downtown Houston, right near the convention center, right near the park that's in the middle of, you know, that you kind of are going to go to if you're in Houston. And um, it was just as delicious as Hugo's, but it also felt a little more modern, a little more fresh. What drew you to it? It, it didn't have the atmosphere that Hugo's had, but I think I, I you know, the, the, the food. I mean, like that mole flight that you suggested. I mean, I love mole. And you can't, no offense to the people in Portland, but in the restaurants that serve it, but I just can't, I've not had really good mole in portland oregon so to to break that down a little bit at dinner at sochi they offer you a mole flight which is four small dishes of mole of four different moles including an ant mole a mole made with ants that's right so i had little fried ants kind of floating on the top yeah and um and i had never had leota before but you 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 suggested it and it was wonderful i wish a chorizo was a little bit more assertive yeah, that's a really good critique, I think. We had this thing, it's called a tlayuda. It's a, just like a giant tortilla, essentially. Sometimes people call it a Mexican pizza uh, because it, it, it it's, it's like a big, flat piece of bread with, you know, meat, sometimes cheese. And at um, Sochi, they really brightened it up with herbs and they had this chorizo that was maybe a little bit on the bland side. I would agree with Gary. They call it like a Oaxacan chorizo. I think it could be a little more assertive for all of our tastes, but it was really pretty to look at. And I think Sochi, not I think, Sochi is Allison Cook's number one restaurant in Houston. Yeah, and it's a it's a really great call, I think. I mean, I told her that in person. I think that for that to be her number one is really spot on because... I think Ortega deserves the credit um, for, you know, just keeping things sort of dialed in like that. I can guess what your number one is, but what is your number one? And I should say oh. that Allison mentioned, before we jump into that, Allison did mention to me that Tracy Vaught, who's Hugo's wife, is really instrumental in sort of keeping things running in all those restaurants and is just as invested in them. Oh. So I should mention that. Okay. And I don't know if we mentioned the chef at Pondicherry, who is I did. Uh, Anita Jaisingani. And uh, she used to run a restaurant there called Indica that she then sold. So she's been in the Houston scene forever. And she actually also has a Pondicherry in New York City. They got two stars from uh, Pete Wells in the New York Times. My number one is Gary's number five. It's inverted. It's Theodore Rex. Uh, I just really loved this meal, maybe inordinately much. I felt like we took off that day we walked to the restaurant which is about 30 minutes walk outside of downtown it's right by one of these giant like the giant ring freeway that circles central houston but once you're inside it's like it feels like you're in someone's home even though it's more like an old brick warehouse or something um maybe warehouse is the wrong word but it's an old brick building right on the corner you walk in there's like these comfortable benches 
you know, nice tables. And the interesting thing for me with, uh, with Theodore Rex is they used to be a much more higher end fine dining place called Oxheart. Yes. And that was Justin Yu's place and it got a ton of national acclaim and they closed it and they reopened as a, an a la carte restaurant. And even though the flavors run sort of like Italian slash global, it reminded me a lot of Coquine here in Portland, which is my number one restaurant here in that you have a chef who's clearly very, very skilled, has a ton of technique, but they're applying it to uh, something that feels more casual. Um, and I love the tomato toast, which yes. is like an updated bruschetta with tomatoes, both sort of raw and in a sort of stew on really crunchy, delicious bread. I loved the Carolina gold rice. I loved the same dessert you did, which was a frozen yogurt with an oregano oil. I forget what yes, else had. Oregano oil. Yeah. Um, there were, we had about eight dishes there, which is more than we had anywhere else, I think. And even though we were pretty stuffed from all our eating, I think I really loved like six or seven of them. And I think it's Al- and it's Allison's number two rest- best uh, favorite new restaurant in Houston. Yeah, again, she does a really great job with that list. Yeah. Um, so there's a couple places, if you don't mind, that weren't on the list that we went to that I thought might be worth mentioning. We've already sort of dealt with Killen's Barbecue. Right. Um, the uh, another one that was really high on Allison's list was Cultivare. Um, <laughs> you know, why, why did that not make your top five? Well, I think you and I talked about it. I think I like the pizza more than you like the pizza, but um, it wasn't odd. I didn't. I didn't know that would come with no cheese. It came with a fuck fennel and some sausage. Fennel sausage and not not fennel sausage, but fennel and like a, mild a lot of fennel. sausage, a ton of fennel, which is cool. And like there was like an anchovy spread and then black garlic. There was a lot going on, but then we started eating it, and I was like, "Well, there's no cheese." They didn't say there'd be no cheese. I guess you have to look on the menu. If there says, it says cheese on one of the ingredients on the pizza, then I guess you know. Then there's cheese. If there isn't, there's no cheese. Fire <laughs> beware. Right. But I, I, I like that. Sp- I thought the spaghetti. It's like a spaghetti, uh, uh, spaghetti with a black uh, pepper and cacio e pepe. Oh, yeah. yeah. Which yeah. someone told us had too much pepper, but I thought it was just the right yeah. amount of pepper. Cacio e pepe can be pretty peppery and be good. We also had like a sautéed backyard kale, which I thought was fine. Greens was great. The pizza just, it wasn't just the lack of cheese. It just like was, I don't know, the, 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 the look of it and the, the dough, it just was very basic. And like, I was thinking in my head while I was there, I was like, where, like Portland made headlines early this year. Well, because I wrote a story that where a guy told me that Portland was the best pizza Anthony city in America. Falco. Anthony Falco yeah. told me Portland was the best pizza city in America. And that was like a very dramatic thing. That story kind of spiraled out of control. And it was this thing everyone was talking about that day because it seemed preposterous. But while I was in Houston, I was eating this pizza that's kind of widely regarded as maybe the best pizza in Houston. I was like, would this make my top 10? No. Would this make my top 15? No. 20, 25. I was like trying to figure out where it would rank. And I think it would, I don't think it would make the top 25 pizzerias in Portland. And it, but it was so busy. One of the busiest restaurants we ate at in Houston was Cultivare. I, I, I should say, it was a lovely experience. They were good to us. They quoted us like a 40-minute or 30-minute wait, and then we were sat right away because some people left the bar. They made an incredible Negroni. Service was good. Um, that pizza, It was man. fun. I, I got the sense if that were in my neighborhood or if that were anywhere in Portland, I'd be really excited to go there. You know, their commitment to using backyard greens is cool, although we do have a lot of that here. Um, 
and the pizza just wasn't good. And that was a big blow because it's, I think pizza might even be in their full name, like cultivari pizza it and, is. and garden, I think yeah. is their full name. Um, so anyway, not to bag on them too much because it's a really lovely restaurant. I just didn't think the pizza was great. Um, okay. What else didn't make our list? Well, are we talking about the worst meal we had? Or like let's wait, let's hold off on that for one second. Well, UB Preserve it seems like a big deal because that's another restaurant which, like um, Theodore Rex, was another restaurant until recently. It was called Underbelly. Well, the thing about it, Underbelly, he closed Underbelly. I think he moved a steakhouse. Chris, he isn't Chris Shepard. He and I think he moved a steakhouse in his old location, and he opened this thing called UB Underbelly Preserve. And it was more like world cuisine. I think I might have liked it more than you did. I I, I don't I, know. I feel like I I was happy with it. I, dumb, I'm not going to knock it. I thought it was good. Great. I thought it, it, it. I yeah. I thought it, I I really enjoyed my meal. The 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 the, 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 the like there was a carpaccio like a fa carpaccio carpaccio. I had a slight it, issue with that, which was it came with raw bean sprouts, uh-huh. and I felt like with fa you're never going to have like fully raw bean sprouts because even if you do grab them off of the sort of, you know, salad tray, you're going to throw them in the hot broth. So they're going to be a little bit, you know, they're going to be cooked a little, little bit. So they're not going to have that kind of odd, like, is it chlorophyll? There's some kind of flavor to that super, super raw bean sprouts have, which I don't, didn't love. I wish they blanched them just a tiny, tiny bit. They could still be crispy. You know, they could still retain their texture. You just need to knock off that flavor. But that aioli plus the meat, I that's those two things combined sold me on that dish i didn't really care about the rest of that i know i know all right that's a minor complaint and you know they're one of their signature dishes is this sort of crispy rice salad which i kind of associate with southeast asian cuisine um you know not necessarily vietnamese food but the there's it was really really sour um like bracingly (laughs) sour which it was like not a problem exactly. I just wish that it was accompanied with some something a little richer. You know, if we if I was ordering there again, I would order that and I would order some meaty dish just to like be able to trade bites. I know that Allison Cook, she told me she loves sour food, so maybe they're maybe they're catering to catering to her palate. It's like the Michael Bauer effect. Okay. <laughs> I'm just kidding. No, it, everything was really good there, so yeah. I think it's probably just outside the top 5 for both of us, right? Right. The pl- anything what else is missing here? Well, I'm I don't know. I mean, like, I, do, I, I don't know if you want to talk about, like, the worst meal we had. Okay, yeah, let's go there. So, uh, you know, none of these meals were bad. I think we had all good meals. Well, but I don't know. I mean, this one was... We're going to get there. We're going to get... <laughs> I don't know. This one was... I don't know. <laughs> um, wow, you've really sat on this. I feel like it's it's soured a little bit in with the passing of time. No, I mean, I no, agree with you, but... No, I know. But, I mean, I, I think I liked the meal more than you did, but... I agree. There's one good dish. Okay, so let's say what it is. So there's a restaurant in Houston called The Pass and Provisions, which is a split restaurant where there's a pizzeria, sort of family-friendly Italian restaurant up front. Very called cool. Called The Provisions, yeah. Called The Provisions. And then behind this big metal door, uh, there's a fine, finer dining place called The Pass. And... Um, you know, that's a pretty common split. We have restaurants like that in Portland. There's uh, Blanco and Roberta's in New York that have that same, like, casual. And for us, it's Padi and Longban. Padi and Longban, or before that, Ro and uh, uh, Wafu. Wafu. Um, it's certainly not the only people in America doing that, but there's not a ton of fine dining in Houston. My understanding is when people want to go out in a splurge, they pretty much go to steakhouses there. 
which is another actually caveat that we didn't do a steak, a real steakhouse, right. which might have been nice to try. But um, the I guess you've tried one steakhouse, you've tried them all, though, right? I don't know that Houston <laughs> has like a nationally known steakhouse the way you might find in Killing. Well, 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 it's in Pearland, but Killing Steakhouse is nominated for Jane's Beard. Well, Ronnie Killen was named nominated for Jane's Beard. Four, four plus restaurants. Well, they, but they they highlighted Killing Steakhouse. Oh, fair enough. Um, yeah. Anyway, so again, there's I, I don't. I don't feel too bad about missing out on that. Although the, every beef dish we had in Houston was really good. Yeah. I'm going off topic a little here, but the, the steak tikka that uh, Gary mentioned at Himalaya, as well as we had this uh, Kobe beef skewer at Kata Robata, which is another top 10 uh, but, restaurant. But it wasn't Kobe beef. No, well, no, fake Kobe, Houston fake. Kobe, Houston, like, yeah, Houston Kobe. <laughs> beef from Kobe Bryant's ranch. Uh, <laughs> but the, uh, I thought that was delicious too. It was just a really nice, simple uh, Japanese beef skewer. It was but delicious. Yeah, well, going getting back to the past, it's just like it was the dish. After, it was like five courses. It was like really, it was, it was everything was a little bit. It felt a little amateurish. I didn't really like any of the dishes. I liked the tagliatelle. Yeah, that was definitely the best one. So let's walk people through a little bit. I didn't even like the oyster. I know you said that. we 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 added we did one add on which was oysters, and I think it was just like. You know, I don't know. I, I'm used to this really fussy Northwest Oyster Service where they're telling you what bay it came from and what kind of mignonette you're having. But the temperature was wrong. It was like it was room temperature. And then the whatever the topping was, which I can't even remember, was very, very mellow. It didn't it, usually you want that kind of acid to cut the brininess, but it just was there. Uh, the next dish was this very kind of like a Heston Blumenthal type of it, it looks like what it is, but it isn't um, avocado, which was actually made with avocado mousse that had been formed into a half avocado and rolled in nori. And then it was served with these like puffy crackers, chicharron, chicharroni type things made from corn and I guess lime or lime powder on top or something. And you enjoyed that. I enjoyed it. I mean, I enjoyed the chips. We both enjoyed the chicharron. Yeah. I mean, I just felt like the avocado is like, Gary and I have actually spent a little time talking about this lately, but like great guacamole, it's like the more you work it and try to improve it, sometimes you get away from what makes guacamole great. And it don't screw around with something that's pretty perfect to begin with. Like Heinz, like you know Heinz ketchup. Heinz ketchup is great. Why screw with Heinz ketchup? Why screw around with simple guacamole? We're always talking about like Johnny Leach is a chef here in Portland. He opened a restaurant called Chilino, and now he's at a restaurant called La Neta. He makes a really good guacamole, and Portlanders love to like complain about how expensive his chips guac and salsa are because they're like $16 and the guac is just guac but you know what it's really good guac and really good guac is just guac so the texture on this avocado mousse felt all wrong to me okay um I don't really remember much about what came before the tagliatelle were there any other dishes that caught your eye uh I did like the dessert but it was like really this large almost gargantuan dessert that seemed a little bit overkill but I, I, I enjoy I enjoyed that it was it was a I think a coconut passion fruit dessert. it was a pina colada flavored dessert so yeah, I had pineapple I, and coconut yeah. and one other flavor it was very basic no no complaints it was just simple you uh, want, you okay want... and then and then the one dish we liked was the tagliatelle with uni which came with uni that had been sort of emulsified or something and then formed into what looked like an egg yolk that you cracked and it poured over the the uni poured over the Housemate tagliatelle, that was lovely. And on top, they shaved over it some dried abalone, which is meant to resemble katsuoboshi. And that was really cool, too. Yeah. Now, they did say it was supposed to be a carbonara, and I missed that 
sort of crunchy, squishy, chewy element that you would get from, you know, uh, maybe pancetta or guanciale, whatever. I kind of wish they'd, if they're going to do a carbonara, like, where's that element? Because the abalone didn't give that to me. But yes, that's a minor complaint. That was a tasty dish. Right. And then the real bummer and easily the worst dish of our trip. Oh, God. Was this overcooked duck breast that had this weird, like, instead of just giving it a sear, they put this, like, weird, dark, glazed, like, oat mush or some kind of mushy, mealy. It was mealy. That's the word I use. Mealy. I, I can't remember what it was, but it was bad and you ate you ate ate a couple of bites and just when i kind of ate more i shouldn't have but i was eating that that thing i a crust cut into it and the whole thing started sliding off the duck and i had no i was like what are they trying to do here and i ended up just pushing it all off because it didn't taste good it didn't add anything to the dish and then the duck was overcooked so anyway that's that's a rough one don't want to bag on them too much, but I did notice that they were the number one restaurant in the Houston Chronicles 100 in 2015. They went to three in 2016, four in 2017, and now they're down in the 20s. 25, I think. 25 or 24 or 25. And yeah, I think that's the way I do with some of my lists where if I used to love a place, I'll keep them in maybe one year longer than they should be in because... I don't think that place deserves a rank spot. Well, and it's unfair in the sense that it's called the past and provisions. We went to the past and we didn't go to the provisions. So maybe the provisions is awesome and amazing. And I don't know. I looked, that- it looked like simple Italian comfort food. You know, I'm. it's probably pretty fun and great. But speaking of dishes, are we going to talk about our top three favorite dishes? We are. Stuff? Can I go first this yes, time? Yes, you can go first. Uh, so I'm going to do what you did last time. I'm going to do a tie for okay. number three. And my tie for number three is going to be the that crispy rice salad at UB Preserve. I thought you didn't like it. Hold on, hold on. And the Carolina Gold Rice Bowl at Theodore Rex. And the reason I'm pairing those two together is because the Carolina Gold Rice Bowl at Theodore Rex, which is one of their signature dishes, it comes with these butter beans. It's super rich. It has these puffy rice puffs <laughs> on top. Uh and the crispy rice salad at UB Preserve, if I were able to combine those two dishes Smart. into one, that would be one of the most amazing things <laughs> I've ever eaten. So maybe the next time I'm there, I'll, you know, like caviar delivery, <laughs> one dish from each and blend them together. What's your number three? My number three is the beef skewer from Kata Robata. Oh, oh yeah. It was just so, it was, it was, it was so simple, yet I love that beef. I mean, it was just... So tender, and it came with like a it was like a teriyaki sauce, right? And it was a sweet glaze of some sort. Yeah, and then it just I got ordered rice, ate it with my rice, Japanese rice, and man, I was just like a pig in you know what? Because <laughs> I was just I was just happy. I loved. I could just eat in like three or four of those skewers. It was so good. Um, I'm with you. That was that's my number four. That was an incredible dish, and I mean, so so simple. And I think that the kata robata didn't. We haven't talked about it a ton, but. We went by at lunch. We were there a little early. They let us sit at the bar, and it was very busy. I mean, them and Cultivare, I think, were probably the two busiest restaurants. Maybe Hugo's, too. Nancy's Hustles was busy when we got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good point. Although, I think for we, the other three were there at lunch, which is just speaks to how... Oh, yeah. Oh, no, Cultivare was also dinner. kind of speaks to how busy they are. I think Kata Robata, it's sushi, but it's also robata, full Japanese menu. Ramen. Ramen. I think we were both 
a little suspicious of Japanese food in Houston just because, you know, we're in the middle of Texas there or, you know, near the Gulf, whatever. And I, you can get good product anywhere, but I just feel like I wouldn't go to Houston to eat Japanese food generally. And, you know, we didn't go to MF Sushi, MF Sushi which is number 11 on the Houston Chronicle list, although the number 10 place, uh, which was an Asian diner, um, closed. So I guess you could argue that MF Sushi is the number 10. We skipped that one too. I think we just have a fair amount of good sushi in the Northwest, especially if you combine Seattle and Portland, not to mention SF and LA, which isn't too far away. It just didn't seem like a priority for us. The other thing, I, I don't know that I would dive into the Italian food scene there, given what I had at Coltivare. Um, I don't I don't know that there's a great Italian restaurant in, in Houston. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll have to maybe investigate later on. My number two is, uh, we talked about earlier, the mole flight from Shoshi. I don't know what we need to say about it any more than I just really love mole, and that was just fantastic mole. That was my number one. Really? What's your number two? My number two is the Nancy Cakes at Nancy's Hustle, which we talked about before. And it was kind of a toss-up for me between that and this really good duck sausage that they did with a kind of German sauerkraut uh, presentation. But the Nancy Cakes were just really fun. Everybody loves caviar and blini. You know, like I'm thinking about there's a dish at State Bird Provisions that they sometimes do that's like potato chips and creme, you know, potato chips and sour cream and caviar or roe. That's just so good. I could eat that all day. And sometimes I kind of make that at home, just buy some sour cream and some roe and dip some chips in it. And it's delicious. So Nancy Cakes. Is your number one? Oh, what's number two? My number, number two. one is the mole oh, flight. flight. Okay, yeah. got it. Which I, we've talked about that a lot. But it's a, you know, I do wish that, I, I if I can just pause before we go to, you go to your number one. Uh, I don't know if this is like a Northwest thing or just a Portland thing. But I feel like the more serious a Mexican restaurant takes itself in terms of the quality of the cuisine, the technique put into it, the less fun it gets here in Portland. Like, you know, even if they want to be fun, like in Houston, there's no separation between a fun Mexican restaurant and a really high quality Mexican restaurant. They're just delicious. So it's like. You know, you look at Hugo's, you look at Sochi, or even the original Ninfas, or a lot of the Tectmex places out there, which is a slightly different category. You know, everyone's drinking margaritas. They put a lot of flair into it. I had a great time at all of those restaurants. And I do wish that someone in Portland would go out and do something like that. Some great moles, but also the margaritas table side, you know, just have fun with it. My number one is a place that Michael was not able to go to. In um, it was original Nymphas on navigation, navigation, which we've talked about it, talked about. And my number one dish is the pozole verde from Nymphas. Um, I asked Michael a few years ago where to get some amazing pozole. He, he recommended a few places, and I tried some of those places in Portland. And <clears throat> the pozole at Nymphas is just on another level, two levels, three levels above that. So I'm glad I was able to. I'm sorry you weren't able to go. You were, you know, time just ran out for you. You were thinking about trying to fit it in somehow. So I don't I mean, think I could have made it, but yeah, my flight, my United flight, was delayed by an hour and a half. So be it. 
Okay, everyone. So thanks so much for joining us. Uh, I think we've kind of dove pretty deeply into Houston. Yes. And we do hope that you go out there and check it out. And um, we will put our top five restaurants and top three dishes onto our Instagram page, um, Walkins Welcome Pod. And if you want to go to either TDM Russell or at Gary the Foodie, you'll see a lot of Houston picks right now. Great. Thank you. Bye. Talk to you guys soon.